Here comes the biggest news ever. Trek Off the Motion Picture is available on Amazon Prime. That's right. The movie version of the podcast you're listening to. An actual movie. A motion picture on Amazon Prime. Available in the United States and the UK. Just go on Amazon and search for Trek Off. The word Trek Off. One word. And you can watch us. If you don't have Amazon Prime, you can you can like rent us or buy us. We're available on DVD on Amazon. But like streaming on Amazon Prime. And listen, please watch because it really helps us out. And share it. Give us good reviews. And share it on your Facebook page stuff, man. I'm just excited. Check out the motion picture. Warning. The following contains plot spoilers and naughty language. That means explicit content. And the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad. It's just a show. Hey, Trekoff fans, this episode was recorded all the way back in November of 2016. Um, we uh, had it recorded, and then we did Rogue One, and then after we did Rogue One, we ended up doing the Carrie Fisher thing, and then by the time we uh, got to what we're... Then we had New, New Year's show, so by the time we got to this, uh, it is already 2017 now. So uh, if we're referencing stuff from uh, too late, that is why. Anyway, okay, enjoy Trekoff. It's time for Trekoff. Enterprise Double D. Welcome to Trek Off. My name is Justin. And my name's Alexia. And today, today we are, uh, we got lots of cool stuff to talk to you about today. Uh, uh, well into this, this, this bright and, and cold winter season where it's like 65 outside the Washington DC area. Um, <laughs> I gotta say, I do, I do, when it comes to, to global warming, I do kind of like not having really cold winter. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so. It's totally and completely selfish of me, but. That's that's as political as we're going to get on this show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you know, you're so afraid of it. It's funny. I know. Well, I just, I, like, I, I, I actually, like, yeah, these days, you know, you know, in these days. Uh, anyway. Uh, oh, yeah, no, I know. It, it could absolutely destroy our entire friendship. We have no yes. idea. Yeah, you, you don't know. You don't know what we're going to talk about. I'm going to go, I'm going to go, hey, I, uh, I, I voted for Big Mac. You're going to go, you fucking like Big Mac? I fucking like Whopper. Done. <laughs> over. Over. All over. Over. So, um, it's, instead of talking about that, let's talk about all the, like, like, sometimes you do smorgasbords and stuff, but, like, there's a lot of Star Trek, actually, to talk about. Um, before we do, I would like to, um, so we're recording this uh, about two and a half weeks before you guys are going to hear it. Um, and uh, and there's something that we need to acknowledge here that is not Star Trek, but rather Firefly. Um, because uh, we lost Ron Glass uh, in the week before we recorded this. And for you guys, I know it was a few weeks ago, but uh, Shepard Book, uh, dude, man, like, I'm no, so sad. I am like, sad. He was so peaceful and beautiful. Does it, does it? weird you out at all that the last scene you ever got to see him do is a death scene a little bit yeah and like, seriously 2016 can eat a dick yeah i know it's, it's 2016 it, it, is just a bag of fucking dicks somebody put up uh the the person of the year for time magazine and drew a picture of the grim reaper seriously <laughs> right it's just like everybody's died this year like hey, all good, hey cool grim reaper Good on you, man. You are working hard. Yeah, we get seriously. it. You are. You are. You. He's you on top of his fucking game, that bastard. You. You will definitely be up for a promotion this year, but like, I don't know. Maybe cut back just a little on the people. Yeah, that we could love. you just like calm the fuck down on people that we love? Yeah, is that, is um, that at all possible? 
Yeah, it, it's what weird me weirds me out is the last thing I ever watched this guy do is die on camera. I know. Um, and so you don't get sort of that. Oh, he's gonna live on feeling. No, that you, get, like, you don't. And I and I don't know if I'm ever gonna be able to watch that again, honestly, yeah. because of that. I don't know. I think it will. It, it will eventually sort of enhance that moment, moment I don't for know. you i guess i mean i don't have trouble with enhance i mean i'm fucking i cry yeah, in five I minute commercials so i don't need any fucking enhancement help okay yeah. <laughs> you, you you watch you watch star trek 2 and you're crying in the opening credits well like, yeah probably uh, uh, i know gonna, what's coming <laughs> he's gonna die and i have to i told you i cannot watch two without three there's no two without three that's yeah, one film it has to be because it's not okay for him to stay dead it's just not but fine. now but except that he's dead now he's no getting, i know yeah. But Except he's alive. I mean, that's the thing. He's that's alive what I want in to have. our hearts and in the and in and in this and in the series and in and the in movies. Zachary Quinto. Yeah, that's what I want to have like, done. Is as as I'm getting older, I want a <laughs> uh, a, a fresh, hot, young actor to start playing <laughs> to me. embody you. In some and way then so I want to go back in time and meet that guy and be like, hey, hey, look at me. Um, well, let's be friends. And I'll stick around a little bit, and then I'll die, and then that guy will be so sad that future himself is dead. That that. <laughs> This is my whole plan. This is my retirement plan. You'll somehow live on. I'm saving up for this. Play you in things. (laughs) I'm saving up for this. So, Ron Glass, um, uh, uh, what a what a what a great gift you gave us with Shepard and Barney Miller. Like I was never a giant Barney Miller fan, but if you were our age and there were only three channels, you would happen upon Barney Miller because it was on all the time. Like at eleven o'clock at night, you'd always find like Barney Miller. So like good on him, but that's not really what I knew him from. He's a Shepherd book for me and and brought a lot of heart to that show. So absolutely bye. Thank you so much for your work. Um okay. Uh so before we get into um uh, the big thing this week, which is uh, uh, you and I read a book. Um, we did. Uh, you read it, and then you suggested I read it, and so I read it, and and we have stuff to talk about about that book. But before that, we have some news. Um, I talked. I don't want to belabor this point, but I talked to Mister A um, on, when you were sick um, about the fact that uh, Brian Fuller has left Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, he told um, me, which is <laughs> which was super concerning. It's it's um, concerning. I mean, it's concerning because it's in CBS's hands. Like, that's what's concerning to me. Like, that they do not know how to make a good show. That they, that they're very, like, what they do is police procedurals and they put a different skin on it. Like, that's what they think TV is. Like, when Sherlock was big, I feel like that's what they did. They, like, put out a Sherlock skin yeah. on a police procedural. Like, boom, people love Sherlock, right? And it's like, listen... People in Hollywood, if I know you're not listening to our podcast, but you should because we're right. Um, or at least I am like, at what point are you going to learn that like the reason that we as Americans are drawn to like British TV is because it's not all the fucking same. It's, well, yeah. it's not like explosions. People want explosions. People want sex. People, want, you know what I mean? Like, that's not how they do TV in Britain. Like they have an idea and then they like really just develop well let's that take it let's take it a, let's thing. take it a step even further not just bbc but like everybody except the big networks because yeah. as soon I mean, as yeah, you on go the cw i feel like they're doing it you know i feel like they're doing it on other cable like tna tnt i feel like yeah you're right like it's there's this idea that there, there's just a way of, like this is what this is a show that sells how can we make it like this show and it's like n- n- no that's that's not how this actually works like you're supposed to be like hey this is a cool idea how can we make this to the fullest of the idea and then people will come dude like that's how that works and they well, don't seem to get it 
it's sort of like it, it's it's sort of like uh, shortbread cookies. Um, in that, in that everybody likes shortbread and, and on CBS, like I'm sure that I could turn on a show on CBS, almost any show, watch it for two weeks and go, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, that's all right. Sure. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And that's like, the thing. Anytime CBS- I happen upon one of their police procedurally things, like I'm not offended by it. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen, but I'm not excited about it either. Like See, it's I watched, just I watched a little bit of bones and, and the whole time watching bones, I was like, yeah, this, this is pretty good. Is that right? I mean, uh, Bones okay. is the only exception, I think, for me. That's because I really like the team. Like, for me, it's less about, like... Yeah, what... but that's the thing. But the show itself, it's not very good. The, the show itself is the, is a great example of actors elevating material. Absolutely, like, it like is. That's, yeah. Like, the, the show itself is ridiculous. It's stupid. Is it science fiction half the time? I don't know what it is. Is it real? It, do, it doesn't know what it is. But fucking those two together are fun as fuck to watch. They absolutely and, are. and the rest of the team like and it yeah. doesn't bother me when when they pair off. That's really great. And I'm like, ah, see, finally, they realize that people can be paired up on TV and it's totally fine. But um, Bones, but Bones is not a great show. It ran forever. It's off the air. It will be forgotten. It's sort of like like and it could have been it had all the pieces. It's like somebody it's like somebody had all the things necessary to like make a a Ruth Chris steak from Ruth Chris Steakhouse and they ground it up and they put it into a grinder and they made up hamburger and put ketchup on it. Like it's like like, like you had the wonderful materials. What are you doing? Um, like, why? Why would you do? Why would you do that with them? That yeah. That being said, CBS All Access we will say has CBS in in the name, but is not necessarily going to be CBS CBS. You know, as any, any more than I mean, one CW- hopes. Yeah, but we'll like see. there's and, no way to know. You know. So. So um, there is new news, uh, Discovery News. And look, guys, we're going to have, I'm sure that in the next six months, there's going to be more and more Discovery News. And, you know, we as a show are going to have to decide at some point how we're going to handle when Discovery's on the air, because it's going to be all we want to talk about, but it's not all we should ever talk about. Um, yeah. But like, we don't want Trek off to become the Discovery show. But when there's a new Discovery every week, guess what we're going to want to talk about? So we <laughs> exactly. like, like maybe we'll have to spin off a second show. I don't know. Um, yeah. But there has been some casting. I have official cast members for the show. Oh, time. Wow. Have you heard this news? I'm not. No. All right. Um, the first, uh, the first thing that I have is Michelle Yeoh is going to be playing. Um, is going to be playing Captain Georgiou, um, of the starship Shenzhou. Now, first of okay, all, okay, something right about that. I like Michelle the casting Yeo. choice. Something wrong about that, making everything Asian sounding now. No, Georgiou is spelled Georgiou is spelled French. Okay, G- so that's French. G- okay, G-E-O-R-G-I-O-U. so she's French. O r g i o u, and then yes, it's Shenzhou is the is the is the name the, of her the, ship, the starship. Though. Here's like, come here's on. the thing. First of all, first of all, an Asian in the lead, for goodness sake, Star Trek. It only took you fifty years. I know, right? Like, like with yeah. and with with all respect to all of us, you know, Star Trek is an international phenomenon, and there yep. are like, like. The Asian community worldwide is enormous, and in our country, it's even yep. bigger. And casting someone who is a hero, um, you know, not just from Crouching Tiger, Crouching Tiger, but she was a Bond girl. She was, you oh, know, she's what I mean? fucking like, phenomenal. I love. She's her. astounding. She's amazing. Here's the other thing to get, well, and it's a female captain, but you know, it doesn't seem, you know, her name's not, you know, you know, 
Captain Girlway. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, you're gonna, and, and I think that she'll be able I always to bring... had a, I always had a fucking problem with that. By the way, Janeway, you had to put the name Jane in the last name of the captain? Like yeah. the last name, like sure, her name might as well be Woman Femme. You know? Like, yeah, I know. I it, seriously, yeah. I I hope in this sense that she and she's and she's older. Like she's not like twenty, um, which I appreciate as well. And um, and and while and Kate Mulgrew had to push that sense of command. I saw her do other things before. Certainly I saw her on Cheers and she was always a little abrasive, always a little tough, but not like sometimes the commandiness of her was not as commandy. Oh yeah. No, I think I, Michelle Yeoh has that. Like just, I, I think we've seen all, it from her. I think almost a Picard like nature to her. You know what I mean? I, yeah. And, and based on her last name being French, that's probably what they're doing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's how it occurs to me in any case, like is that she's, uh, you know, she's French, but that's, you know, her heritage obviously isn't, Strictly French, yeah. Uh, no, she's like his she's she, accent was very unfriendly. I know she's gonna she's gonna but, look Asian, look Asian, speak Russian, eat nothing but Italian food, but she's going to be French. <laughs> evidently, evidently, what happened to France? <laughs> France is the real melting pot, people. Okay, yes. not America. The fondue um, melting pot. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but so that gives like that as a casting choice really gives me hope. The fact that they felt like her ship needed to be somehow. Uh, Asian named uh, feels like a step in the wrong direction. Feels like a step backward at the same time. Like, except here's the interesting thing about the name of that that ship. The okay. name of that ship is not Sell me on it. Discovery. How much does that fucking tell you about this show? We have our first confirmation of what I thought it was going to be: Star Trek Discovery. It's not about one ship. Because we know we have images of the Starship Discovery. It's got the name on it. This is another ship, and she is one of the main characters on the show, and she's on a different ship. That's enormous. I guess. That's an, an enormous discovery. I love I don't the think idea- that's enough of a reason to, like, just, I don't I we'll love see. it. No, you know, I love we'll it. We'll see what happens. I mean, I do they, like that it's a different ship. That's the potential that's that gives you is you but. can have as this as it goes on, as the show goes on, you can have cutting back and forth between two completely different styles and environments, and and like two different shows happening at the same time. Um, I mean, there's certainly opportunity there. I'm not I'm not debating that. There there absolutely is. But like I said, I just it feels like the name of the ship. And I'm, I guess I'm sort of jumping to conclusions, but kind of not really um, <clears throat> Chakotay. So I'm concerned sure. that, that that's something they're going to do to her. And that's that like, because oh. her, because because she's Asian, they want to name the ship Chopsticks. Like, yes. It's, yeah. No, and it's like, I, please don't fucking do that. You guys. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you very, very much there. Here are the other two. Um, uh, stage actor Anthony Rapp from Rent is going to be uh, joining the character as uh, the role of Lieutenant Stamets, the first openly gay character in the show's history. Um, groovy. I do appreciate and, that. That's groovy. And I saw elsewhere, and I can't see where, um, but I know that some of these guys are actually on Discovery and other of these people are on the other ship. Um, and... Like, again, that excites me. And the, th- the third one is an alien character, which is going to say a part of an alien spe- species new to the Star Trek universe. So an alien character we've never seen before. Um, 
who is a stromacologist, which is a fungus expert, um, uh, who is going to, I don't know what ship he's going to be on, but it's going to be played by Doug Jones. Now, if you don't know who Doug Jones is, you, you've seen him because he plays, he is the go-to guy for for weird in uh, in makeup things. He is, um, among other things, the main gentleman from Buffy. The the guys who couldn't speak with the big uh-huh. faces. He is um, uh, from Pan's Labyrinth. He was also, I think, uh, the uh, the fish guy from um, Hellboy. The second um, one, not the first one. Actually, I think he was in the makeup in the first one, and that the the voice was the voice David was, Hyde Pierce. Was David Hyde Pierce, but it was never Except, David Hyde Pierce in the makeup. Did you ever hear why David Hyde Pierce quit for I did Hellboy Two? I heard because Doug Jones. Um, was there the entire time uh, recording the voice and did such a good job that David Hyde Pierce could not think of a better way to do it and did it exactly like Doug Jones. And so when they came to him to do the second movie, he said, he said, you know what? Just do Doug because Doug does an a great, amazing job. I felt really guilty, like feeling like I was stealing his performance from him. Use him. That's why you can't tell it's David Hyde Pierce or Doug Jones in Hellboy 1 or Hellboy 2 because Doug Jones did such a good job. David Hyde Pierce really felt that those were the best choices, which is awesome. He could have gotten money and he was like, no, I feel like that is really cool of him. Yeah. Feeling like, no, listen, his performance is fine. Like, you don't need me. Yeah. Like, um, stop. Yeah, <laughs> that's really cool of him because because it shot up because it would it would have been like three days in a recording studio to do it you know um, yeah but like he's right like he's right though you know what I mean like I I I certainly prefer his voice because I know his voice and I like him a uh-huh. lot um and I always wondered why they w- why they didn't have him in the second one but hearing the reasoning I'm like oh that's amazing like that's that's a really cool reason that's the right reason you know what I mean like. You don't need me. Like it's, it's like I started watching that Skylanders um, show on Netflix because I actually like Skylanders a lot. I play with them and <laughs> stuff because I'm a child. But anyway, um, they changed some voices on it, and it really upset me because like the game voices, like the voices that are in the video game, are like perfectly fine. Like there's zero reason to do it except to have Justin Long be one of the voices and Ashley Tisdale be Stealth Elf, and Stealth Elf is not like Ashley cutesy. Tisdale. Ashley Tisdale. Oh, not my favorite Ashley. No, and more importantly, like like if you've ever played the game or even heard her, you know, say silent but deadly. Like she's got this really kind of cool voice and she's like sort of fierce and now she's like silent but deadly or whatever. It's really horrible. It's very jarring. And I'm like, yeah, why it's... did you do this? And it's to have her name. That's absolutely why they did because I have no sure. idea who does the voice of Stealth Elf in the game. I don't know what her name is. I don't know who she is. That's a and shame. That's I did. love, jo- I, I want to be in record. I love almost everything Justin Long's ever done. I um, do too, but he doesn't, but like he, but he's, but he's not needed. Right? Like, yeah, this, no, is, I hear this that. is exactly what I'm saying. Like, I love David Hyde Pierce, and, and there's nothing wrong with David Hyde Pierce, but there's also nothing wrong with the guy that was already doing it. Right? Well, it's like and fucking, fucking, you, you, you got fucking Hugo Weaving to do the voice of Megatron, um, which was one, not as good as the guy who was the original voice of, of Megatron, who's, uh, who normally can, because he's also the voice of Frederick Scooby Doo, and I, I don't know why his, uh, um, hold on. Voice Megatron, um, and they normally can rad this guy, uh, th- this guy off. Oh, Frank Welker, um, uh, 
Hugo Weaving, who is Agent Smith uh, yeah. in the Matrix. Yeah, and I love Hugo Weaving, but, but no. But, uh, but his voice is also so hidden under, you know... All of these effects. Yeah, that you didn't, like, you honestly, you could have gotten almost anyone kind of, like, remo- like a little bit okay to do the voice. And with all that effects, it would have sounded, you know, fine. Um but you, but to say it's got Hugo weaving in it. That's it what I'm saying, and I hate that. And that's what it yeah. feels like. Like that's, and and I don't, I don't like when they make those choices. Like I don't think that's the right choice. To I make. mean, sometimes it works out. I mean, I I I like hearing, um, you know, if it's a voice that's really, if it's a voice that's really, really distinctive. Sure, and, and, and then that again, distinctiveness I agree with adds you. Like, to the, it. Yeah, like if it's if we're talking about you know James Earl Jones, or I was nobody... going to say actually I was going to say Matthew Broderick in The Lion King, using him immediately humanized Simba, like immediately sure. like I, I immediately kind of got what Simba was about, what adult Simba was about because it was Matthew Broderick. I was like, oh, got it. Like that's 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 the kind of bold choice that can work. But uh yeah, I hear you. But I think more often than not, I don't think it's the right choice, and I think it's and I think it's because we just want to put this name on the marquee, and and like that's not the right reason. Well, and you know, fucking, if there was ever a time, if there was ever a place, like I understand, uh, I I understand, and by the way, what fucking marquee? Who's fucking watching this show because Ashley Tisdale's in it? That's what I'm saying. That's like what. <laughs> Like, that's I, kind of my point, right? I'm like, I don't understand. Like, the voices were fine. And like, if you're going to choose a celebrity, this, choose, no like, a, a sci-fi celebrity that everybody loves in that, like, it's, uh, anyway, my point being is that. Yeah, like, is, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, particularly, it's a kid's show. Like, no child is watching this show because Ashley Tisdale's in it. Like, that's not happening. Well, And, and if nobody's at, watching Star Trek because so-and-so's in it. And if ever there was a time, if ever there was a time that you could use that, because I understand wanting names, even people who aren't the greatest actors, I understand pulling in your Sylvester Stallone's or Arnold. Like, I understand they come immediately with them. Like, like for instance, I'm watching, uh, you know, I'm still watching the Arrowverse. And in the season I'm in, Dolph Lundgren's in it. Um, uh, all right. Yeah. And so this guy, this guy, not a great actor. I mean, Dolph he was Lundgren. in The Punisher. I liked him in The Punisher. Not but. a great actor. Hold on. He was fine, but not like, you don't, you don't go, you know, Pacino, Olivier, McKellen, Yeah, Dolph. agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Although, the smartest guy in Hollywood. Did you know that? The Dolph Lundgren is like the smartest guy in Hollywood. I did not know Like that, when they rank really. IQs. Let me tell you about Dolph uh, Lundgren real quick, because I think you'll find this interesting. Dolph Lundgren. Um, hold on. I also want to say... Uh, uh, has an IQ of, of 160. Um, he uh, he is along with being um, along with being like the thing that he is is known for. Uh, here we go. He's a genius. Um, IQ being north of of 160, and along with his acting career, he has degrees in chemistry and chemical engineering from the um, and the Fulbright scholarship to from MIT. Holy shit. He speaks seven languages, only three fluently. Wow. <laughs> wow. Like, think about that. Yeah. No. I mean, obviously, he's wasted as an actor. <laughs> like, do you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> like, there's so much more that he's good at. Except, than, like, except I will for. say this. There's something about him. I will say this. Even when he's not doing, he is fucking charismatic as hell. You can just, your eyes are drawn to him. 
Definitely. Um, he absolutely is. So I understand, especially with names, to go, you know, if somebody but in is... The, a, in the instance that you're talking about right now, you're talking about in the Arrowverse, and you're talking about somebody who's classically front, like, who's speaking to the audience, first of all, that's probably watching a lot of the Arrowverse, right? Sure. And yeah. like, so for you, Dolph Lundgren means something. Dolph Lundgren means nothing to some 15-year-old. Yeah, Dolph no, Lundgren I mean, means nothing to even some 20-year-old. Sure. Meant nothing to my wife. You know, right. like it's like not, she doesn't even thing. know. Like she's but, not excited by that. Like that's an inside thing. That's well, like, like well, that's like if on Star Trek, if they if they told us that so and so was going to be in the opening episode, like like that Worf was going to show up. Or, well, it's like the Flash. Know, it's like it's like we would like, be excited. Yeah, like in the who, Flash, the original the, Flash plays his dad. Yeah, I mean he's he is a fine actor. He's not the greatest actor in the world. You know, I'm sure that there are other actors that could do it. Just no, as well, but if fit, there's something fitting about that. About there's it being something him. Cool about that. Yeah, and that's yes. exactly. But when you get to voice acting specifically, there's a place where you really can just go for the best performance. Yep. But you know, because it's because it's it's, it's only about you know the animation is so, is so front and center when it comes visually that yeah. that you that yeah you can just kind of okay it doesn't and it doesn't. Again, in animated films, like, I don't understand why they think that... Fucking that Ashley Tisdale doesn't need the money! Like, seriously, get in. There are incredibly talented voice actresses <laughs> who will be able to come in, do ten times the job, and I'm not slamming you, Ashley Tisdale. I'm sure that you're very no, talented. No, I said nice, the, the, the girl who does Stealth Elf on the fucking video game that has cr- yeah. that created the voice, and it's really good. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah, like, and, I, and, yeah. and it's not even like they got Ashley Tisdale or somebody else to try to do a similar voice. Like, it's totally different. And it's like, why did you do that? And yet, thankfully, Chaos seems to be voiced by the same person. It sounds the same in any case. I'm like, see, you can't change that because it's iconic. And I felt like, to me, Stealth Elf, also <clears throat> iconic. Um, yeah, no, I hear you. But I hear you. Then they're like, oh, no, we need a name. I'm like, no, we don't. What five-year-old gives a fuck who's playing the fucking voice? Nobody's, nobody is scrolling through Netflix and going, oh, I want to watch this, this new Skylander show because that's Justin Long and Ashley Tisdale. That's or not happening. Or likewise, nobody, nobody's going, going, oh, Ashley Tisdale's got a new movie. It's, wait, what? <laughs> you know, no, I don't, yeah, like, nobody's doing that. Like, yeah, I don't no. understand. Yeah, Hollywood, it's not, what are you doing? It's, you're not mixing chocolate and peanut butter. You're mixing sardines and peanut butter. It doesn't work. Ugh, um, yes. Uh, so um, <laughs> speaking of Ashley's, I do. I read another book before we get to the book we're going to discuss. Um, I read uh, or I listened to because I was driving um, uh, the audio book for Ahsoka um, from Star Wars, from Clone Wars. You know, um, I don't like that character. <laughs> uh, you don't know, but you you don't know that character. So I mean, you know. I saw that movie and it was horrible, and she was horrible. I walked out of that movie because of how terrible that character was. Um, <laughs> so like, you're let, telling me she's not awful. She is. She is as far. You've from been that... trying to convince me of this for a while now, but ever since you convinced me that Angel is, was worth she... watching past season two, and you I... were wrong about that, I can't trust but, you. But here's the true: is I I don't know if you're going to like her, but I can tell you she's different. And you can trust me on that because she is as far from that plucky little girl as let's say season seven Willow is from season one Willow on Buffy. But I like both of those Willows. But they're different, completely, Agreed. utterly different characters. They course correct on her in a big way, and then they course correct her on an even bigger way when she shows up on Rebels. Um, I mean, because I just know in the movie she was very she was she just came off as like a whiny teenager. Like she that's... is a whiny teenager, but then she but but she's also peppy and full of and full of spunk because she's so excited to be a Jedi, and her entire journey is how all of that falls falls apart. Her entire journey is about like like you know 
I don't want to spoil it, but let's just say that 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 things don't go well for her and the Jedi Council. Um, it all fucking falls apart. Anyway, the book is really, really interesting because I the thing I like about it is that um, it is one of the very few times that post Disney that Lucasfilm has uh, has gone back to the prequel um era for a book at least in this case but um the first one they did was with ventress who's one of the greatest creations from the clone wars um but this one in particular um does what i like that disney is doing in that um it is absolutely a prequel era character that is absolutely being pulled into the original series timeline so it's about you know the her character is you know her character does not die in order 66 i won't get into how um, but the book is about what happens when you have this Jedi, this adult Jedi who did not die during Order 66 and she's just fucking alone. And you know how you know how like the Jedi grab you when you're like six. Right. And they, yeah. and, they and they start training. She'd never been without anyone. And here she is. She's just fucking alone in the entire galaxy. She's trying to practice the force. But if anyone sees her, use it. Like at one point they realize. She's yeah, on like a, she's basically the the most wanted in the yeah, galaxy they, they, there is a point on the, there's a point in the book where uh where they realize she's on a planet and literally 20 minutes later a star destroyer shows up jesus like like that is that because keep in mind the the ruling the galaxy as the emperor is only the second uh is only the second priority of palpatine the prime priority of palpatine is to put the sith in control of the galaxy and destroy the jedi that's what he really cares the most apart is is being like the yeah. Sith being a supreme. So any remaining Jedi is more important than ruling the galaxy to this guy. Um, you know, yeah. like the founders, like Odo's more, more important than the found. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, so it's just, it's about her loneliness and about her being out there and about, you know, her willingness to do what a Jedi is supposed to do versus, you know, to stay, you know, to stay hidden and stay safe. And, um, and by the end, you know, anyone who knows Rebels knows that she she becomes part of the rebellion that is the rebellion we all know and love. Um, but it's it's such a cool I, lo- I love that that spanning because I feel like that spanning still hasn't been effectively done in my in my opinion. Like I feel like Rebels takes place about four years before A New Hope. Uh, Rogue One's going to take place. You know, it looks like a week before New Hope. And um and then you have the you have the end of uh, episode three, which leaves you like 16 years of time. Like what happened between the be- end of episode three and the beginning of Rebels? Who knows? And so I yeah, just I, I kind I, of a lot there. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed that journey. So I can see that. So um, um, something I saw that I hadn't seen before um, was uh, the X-Men Apocalypse. Oh, you and watched I, it. And I, I bring this up only because while watching it, there's a scene and I think it's in New Storm's apartment. And and uh, I, I don't know if that's where it is, but I know it's on te- television is playing somewhere and it's and it's Star Trek. And I called it nice. And I was like, oh, that's Star Trek. That's, the, that's who mourns for Adonis. Nice. Like, like I even knew the episode. Um, and I was like so pleased with myself. <laughs> I was like, I am so good. Check me out. And I, I didn't, of course, I didn't say anything to Mr. A at the time because I didn't want to stop the movie because uh, we were watching in 3D and stuff. And I didn't, and I didn't want to be wrong. Um, so like I waited to the credits and I was like, I think I might have said, I think that was Star Trek. Um, but I didn't think I, I don't think I went any further into it. And then when I saw it, I was like, I knew it. <laughs> I knew it was Star Trek. 
you know, what did you, so what did you think of, of, you know, I, I still don't know how I feel about. Yeah. yeah you know, Apocalypse. I, it's, uh, it's there's so weird. much in it that there's so much in it that is there entirely to delight me. Like there's so much in it that is just like kid in a candy store for me. And yet, and yet, I mean, I think I really liked it, but I don't give a shit. And which is a weird thing because the X Men movies, when they've been their most successful, have made me care a lot. Yeah, and I do think, yeah, I feel like I was um, Storm was was simultaneously interesting and um, and not happy for me because I'm like I don't ever remember a time when Storm was like Apocalypse's you know guard or whatever and like needed to have her power somehow unlocked or enhanced by him. No, 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 no. No, and not, neither neither for Psylocke, you know, but they did have Caliban and Caliban was awesome. And they did, you know, the Wolverine scene, as perfunctory as it was, was yeah. still really fun. It was still yeah. fun as hell. Like seeing, see, I mean, more importantly, seeing Stryker be so terrified and like uh, just getting the fuck out of Dodge. Like doesn't tell anybody that's what he's doing. Just the, like, can I just say, I'm just going to go. I read a lot of X-Men. Like I read a lot of fucking X-Men. Stryker was a not that big a villain in X-Men. He was like he was a villain. He was there. But sure, like, but what? like it, but when you put him up against some seriously villainous dudes, like yeah, he's kind of But like pathetic he was by comparison. he was the fucking villain of X2 and the villain of X-Men Origins Wolverine and the villain of one of the villains of of uh of X-Men like first class and and stuff. And now the villain of it, like, really? Like, like almost half your X-Men movies and he's... I know. He, yeah? And um, he's so, so not a big... But the, but the thing is, because because of the way that they've done the films, like, the villain is, t- is traditionally Magneto. Like, that's the real villain. <laughs> poor Michael... Fa- Michael Fassbender gave both the best Magneto and the worst Magneto in one movie. One, all the stuff with him and his family awesome oh my really God. good and then so heartbreaking and then after such a heartbreaking wonderful thing he literally spends what is clearly half the movie standing in front of a green screen with his arms outstretched yelling like really <laughs> he's just there his arms are out his, his arms are out in the magneto pose he clearly like they they clearly only had him for for like a few days <coughs> like he had his big scene and they're like in the rest of the movie we'll just put you in front of a green screen and all you do is stand here. And like it, that part was like the way he was sidelined. I love the Phoenix stuff was kind of neat. I don't know. Oh, no. So here and you know, I love Phoenix. Love Phoenix. And she was love good. It. I, I, I like here's her. The thing. I'm Grey. so tired of any time we have Jean Grey. We got to have Phoenix. It's like, yeah, that is the high point of Jean Grey's character. But you don't get to have it all the time. Like, that's just the way that fucking works. You know what I mean? Like, it was a storyline. And I feel like they always are trying to shoehorn it in. It absolutely No, you know, it did stay with her. It was the thing about her character. Like, it's always sort of lurking. Um, sure. I'm, but my point is, is it was it wasn't there was a very long period of time when it wasn't a thing. Sure. And then sure. it became a thing. And then, of course, it made her so cool. It wasn't something you're just going to throw away. Yeah, right. you know, I I hear you. I hear. But I'm, this absolutely, when we're rebooting everything or whatever, and it's a different timeline or whatever we're calling this, like you, it's it feels it felt particularly in this film like a Phoenix, 
Like, oh, come yeah, on, you guys. Like, you can't always go into the Phoenix bag. Like, that's Well, here's work. the thing. I wouldn't mind if they went in the Phoenix bag, but the movie was just not that good. So, like, and, and I love the movie kind of tries to rip on X3. They make a little joke like, yeah, the third one always sucks. You know, except this is the third one of this second trilogy where you're doing sucks. Phoenix again, and it is the worst of this second of trilogy. This, uh, yeah. It is, it is. It is. It is. And it really bums me out because I was so excited that Storm was going to be in this one and that she looked good because yeah. she does look pretty good. But but she says four lines. Yeah. And know, it, and she was like nothing before Apocalypse. And it's like, well, that's fucking stupid. And I don't, I don't like, like what they that. did with Psylocke either. Oh, I hated what they did with Psylocke. I mean, Why wasn't on. she fucking Seriously. British? First of all, she has side blades, not side blade, side blades. I'm going to ask you a question. I don't want she, you to no, give she, me she, your she, true, she, no, she... honest answer. Okay. If you have the ability that Psylocke has, would you ever carry a physical blade? Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, No, although Psylocke's abilities have always been in flux, but no, no, I wouldn't. No. No, <laughs> no, because it's stupid. It's it's. I never liked re- Ninja Psylocke. Redundant. Can I be honest? I was never a big fan of Ninja Psylocke. I'll I always a- liked Psylocke. I, mean, I never I liked was... Ninja Psylocke. What's the I difference like... between Psylocke and Ninja Psylocke? So not, Psylocke is not Asian in the comics to start with. Right. She is she is British. She yes, is she I is recall. the she's the sister of Captain Britain. She's Captain Britain's little sister, and she is a telepath. And she, that's what she does. And then the Mandarin actually turns her Asian. Um, and, and what, how does he do that? Uh, because she's, she's part of the hand. So the Mandarin from Iron Man three and the hand from Daredevil season two and the Uh Electra movie, um, uh, join up to turn her Asian and make her a ninja. Okay. It's, it's the X-Men. Um, (laughs) Anyway, anyway, one more thing before we get to get to the book that we're going to discuss. Very interesting book. But um, uh, have you seen uh, Fantastic Beasts yet? I have not. Oh. Nor have what? I seen, um, and I really want to see. Uh, Doctor Strange? Doctor Strange, yeah. You should do a double feature. You should go out and do a, like a magic morning. <laughs> you go out and do a magic. Hey, for those of you who are out there in the world, I will say something that I've discovered. I know you hate getting up early. Like your day starts at like eight, in, eight at night. Yeah. Um, but I will say, if you can ever get yourself up for like a 10 o'clock movie, like 10 in the morning, um, I I have, uh, oh, ugh, my day starts at five now. And I used to work overnight, so it was hard. Anyway, um, um, I have discovered that many Regal Cinemas have like a $6 show. Oh, at, yeah. At like 10 in the morning, the first show of the day. Um, a discovery that is relatively recent, or at least I kind of rediscovered. Yeah, but it. there's two theaters by me that both have um, specials. Um, one has a special on Tuesdays, and one has a special on Wednesdays, where effectively it's oh like, cool. Yeah, like whatever time you go, and I'm like, oh, well, neat. I'd rather do that. Then that's enough to make me go down there and do that. Um, yeah. Okay, so um, so without further ado. Um, why don't you uh, regale the audience with the uh, book that we're going to discuss? We're going to discuss a book, ladies and gentlemen. Now, we are what we're not going to do is talk about the book like like you've read it. Um, uh, so we um, we yeah, just tell them tell them we'll just go into it. Go. Okay, so uh, I was I was in the store in the Nookie Bookie store because uh, I like to read, and I had searched up something because I get like all these like free offers and stuff uh, that get sent to me 
that I signed up for and stuff. And so I'm looking, I usually look up the title. And when I had done that, in one of my searches, I saw something that like caught my eye. It was called The City on the Edge of Forever by Harlan Ellis. And I was like, hold on, what is this now? <laughs> like, this is very familiar to me. And I, I need to understand that this was a book. But I'm confused. So I went and I looked at it. And then the description told me that it was about his experience writing that episode. And I was like, oh, I have to have this. <laughs> and so I I read it. And it. what's interesting is um, I think the most interesting part of the book is probably is the script as they were before they were changed. Um, sort of seeing the the genesis of where it started and where it wound up. And but like more important, like in the beginning, like he spends a lot of time being angry. And I have to say, I feel like objectively, because obviously I don't have a real horse in the race. Like I love Gene Roddenberry, obviously. Um, and Harlan Ellison is a brilliant author. Like no one can debate that. They both, I feel like objectively have egos like from what we understand of them, like rather large ones. And even when Harlan's talking about it in the beginning of the book, before he ever gets to sort of showing you the script, um, he admits to it. And he really, I mean, it seems to me like they, there was a lot of anger there. (laughs) And I feel like Harlan had every right to be pissed. And I feel like at the same time, Gene and and everybody else was kind of right. And that like, listen, this is a great script or whatever, but it's kind of not Star Trek. Uh, so we need to do some stuff to it. But um, Harlan sort of maintains throughout that, like, I wasn't opposed to that. Like, I, it's what I do as a writer for shows. And I, he'd done Twilight Zone and multiple other kinds of shows. And so hearing him sort of talk about it is kind of hard because it's sort of like sullying your heroes in a way. OK, yeah, but I, I, I will say this about, about Roddenberry. I have heard through many um, you know, cause I, I, I've thought about it. Um, well, he keeps referencing these books, like the captain's logs book that he talks about. I, mm-hmm. I, I have, and read that the star Trek memories book. I read, uh, the book uh, by Shatner about Nimoy. I read, I read both. I am not Spock and I am Spock. Um, you know, I Roddenberry does not come out on top in many of those books. Yeah. He is, so he cause is, I haven't read all of those. This was sort of my first experience you know, kind well, first of, of all, read those. Those are great. But um, but uh, second of all, he is, you know, he is. I, I and I hate to use the word slimy. I don't want to I don't want to uh, like judge people. But like the 1960s television producers, guess what? It was a it was a it, it's like worse than Mad Men. If you watch Mad Men, you're like, God, those motherfuckers were slimy back then. Like <laughs> like like this is even worse. This is just the culture of the time you used people and and that's that's sort of you know it's i think that we've gotten much better about that now and it doesn't necessarily mean that he was a bad guy and i don't think he was a bad guy um and i agree he was not a great writer most of the stuff that is just him writing i'm not a giant fan of um i think he's super fucking dry and i think he has a, a hard time finding the base of human emotion but he collects really good people around him to do shit um so like 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 all that stuff, like I, I, I have heard and I agree. I will say this. You say that. So, so essentially um, the structure of the book is again, for people who haven't picked it up, there is an extensive section at the beginning of the book where he talks ad nauseum, basically defending the idea that 
not just it's like it's part he's defending the idea that sitting in the edge of forever was his and then talking about how great he is against all the people who said he wasn't all that great and then airing a lot of dirty laundry about people like yeah. and and because, then, and I get it because it, here's the thing like if you're the guy that writes this episode like and then Gene is going and he's and you know from Harlan's what Harlan's saying at these conventions like the guy is throwing him under the bus is saying oh that thing was crap until I rewrote it like it's like I'm sorry what like and being and and from the perspective of the book I mean it's it was written fairly recently so he's basically been quiet the whole time like not engaging not defending himself and then finally somebody gives him enough money uh and he does and he's like okay well here's the deal <laughs> like you yeah, may I, it may have been rewritten but it wasn't rewritten by you you jackass well and, and, and let me and let me say this um he is trying to prove two disparate points that cannot both be true um the first of the points is that they butchered his script for for sitting on the edge of forever and also what you saw on TV they're taking credit for and they shouldn't take credit for that. I did that. Um, I would say this. Well, having watched the episode recently, having read all three versions of the script that he put out there, I'm going to say this. I don't think they really butchered his script for sitting on the edge of forever. Uh, the script that I read, it's different, yep. but not that not that different. It's 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 pretty, not. Yeah, here's the. Th- I feel pretty like, much the same. <laughs> it's not though. I do think that there are key things that are different that I think to Harlan matter. And I think if you are a person who received this script, working on Star Trek and knowing, because like I think this the sort of at the heart of this, at least to me from from my reading of it, is that Harlan is absolutely a dystopian guy. And I agree with that. I think if if we were to be honest, the future for humanity is not most likely utopian. It is most likely dystopian, if we're being honest. That doesn't mean I don't want utopia. I absolutely want it. I want Gene Roddenberry's utopia. But I get that Harlan's probably, his perspective is probably more realistic. And so I think that his script absolutely reflects that. That having been said, though, it doesn't fit in Star Trek then. It doesn't make sense. And there are things you have to change about it to make it fit in Star Trek. And I well, think and- that when you do that, you're, there's, there's sort of a nugget at the heart of the story. And I think that if I was the one who was rewriting this thing to fit in Star Trek, I would have picked the same nugget. Well, and I'll say this, the, the, all the, because in the original script, there's a lot about this, like basically conspiracy with this drug addiction and blah, 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 blah. Like this kind of vile underbelly of the enterprise. Um, One, it was not his job to expose. And he's like, look, uh, people are really on the ship. This is what would really be happening. Yeah. Like if people are really on this ship for this long, like, but that wasn't his job to do that. That's not what he was supposed to be trying to do. And secondly, it was the most distracting and least interesting part of the script. It was, but here's what it gets you. And I think this is what he wanted to maintain. I think that sort of if you boil down his script, right, in terms of ideas, you have two ideas that to me occur as the, as like the, the two sides of the same coin, right? On the one hand, you have this person who is essentially good, who's right, whose way of thinking is right, whose, whose perspective is correct, but at the wrong time. 
and has to be sacrificed in for that reason. But on the flip side, you also have this guy who, by all accounts, is a bad dude. He's like a scumbag. But in an instant, he can also be a hero. So it's that's why I think they're I, sort of two I get sides that. of the I, same. I still feel like that's the least interesting. Like, like I do in, too. That's what I'm saying. I feel in like the if, perfect I feel version. Like the two sides the, of the same coin. It's the same discussion after a fact. And if you've got to pick one, I think the one where the person who is ostensibly good but at the wrong time is the more interesting story. Yeah, I mean, I think I like. I think that City on the Edge of Forever could actually be improved. Um, if I were to remake it today, it would honestly be they would be back in time within five minutes of the show. And they would never return to the Enterprise and nothing else would happen. And they'd be back in time. They would have a mechanism where they realize they saved somebody and the show would be about that. And I feel like every time you do anything that is not about that, that I mean, ultimately it doesn't matter. It's a great episode. And and it's a great, but here's the, like, I almost feel like it's a mixed bag though. Having read the original script, because there are things from the original script that I'm sad to see go like trooper. So there's this character for people who have not read it of uh, the original script Trooper because we've got so I guess let me sort of break down bare bones the the what's different uh the the in the beginning you have basically this officer who's kind of an asshole and he's gotten this other officer hooked on a drug called the jewels of of something I forget um and it's an interesting the drug is is really intriguing um the jewels, jewels of, of the fa- the jewels of the family no, it's Jewels of Sound, and the basically like siren song kind of is yeah. the idea, and it and and it's basically this, crack. It's crack. It's, it's crack. crack. Yeah, crack before crack existed. It's, You're addicted. And basically, uh, he's got this guy because this guy's hooked. Anytime they go to a new planet, he goes and pedals this shit on the on the download because he wants out of the space game. Um, so he gets away. He because the guy basically fucks up, and Spock catches him, and he's like, "You almost fucking killed everybody." And he's like, "Oh fuck, damn! I'm gonna, I, I got to turn myself in." And he goes and tells the guy, "I'm turning myself in, and you're on your own, and fuck you." And the guy kills him, and some people see him kill him, and he escapes to the planet. And so he's on the planet. They're looking for him, and like in the very first script, I feel like one of the the first, either the first one or the second one, they're talking about how they they go, they take him down, they catch him, and they take him down there to execute him. And I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> like Harlan, Bubby, like no, <laughs> that's not gonna work. Like that could not be less Star Trek if it tried. Like to kill him, like that's they that's what they're doing. No. Yeah, that he was writing. I mean, he was writing for he was writing for something else. I mean, I mean, and I think I mean, that's, he was just writing a sci-fi story. Like, I don't think he was considering the world that he was in, the universe that he was in. Um, and I don't know how much of that he had to begin with, because there is when he's talking about it, he's writing for several shows at the time, which is kind of the only way to survive as a writer at the time. And there's delay between when he gets the the sort of the gig and writes it. So I don't know how much he knows when he gets the gig and then I know that the show continues and it doesn't wind up being a, an episode until like, I think it's season one, episode 29. Um, so I don't know how much he has before that happens in terms of to go on. So I don't, I, I'm, I'm loath to just throw him under the bus and be like, you idiot, what were you writing for? That having been said, um, it doesn't fit in any way. Um, the drug dealing doesn't make sense um, in that in in a Star Trek universe, and the um, the killing of a, of an officer um, yeah. for having done something like drug dealing 
absolutely doesn't fucking fit. Um, anyway, so they go down. He escapes into the vortex, does whatever that causes um, the um, – and, and the Guardians are actually – supposed to it being this donut thing. Like, they're actually people, like really old dudes. And there's this city behind them that is some the city on the edge of forever. And – that's all gone, obviously, in the actual episode. And um, and then he changes whatever. They go back and um, they do the same thing to wait for him. And he comes through. And at some point, Kirk uh, enlists like a fellow, like a, like a guy who's basically homeless in a wheelchair. His name is Trooper. And he served at Verdon. And Kirk has no idea what that means, obviously. But... I love the moment. I like the character and I love the moment because Kirk understands that he's a soldier immediately. And he understands that this guy fought for what he believed in. And there's a kindred ship there, right? And he taps no, into No, I that. do like that. I do like that moment. And I do like... like I, and I, I love that this guy, then there's a later... So there's later a, 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 a fight ensues. And this guy sacrifices himself to save Kirk. And I love that too. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I do. Um, for me, the greatest takeaway though was, and and all these things are great things. They're great additions. And and Trooper, that it's that's an emotional beat, and it's a beat that that, that it could use. But I felt like in in Ellison's script, there was not room for that stuff to breathe because of all the other shit. You know, yeah, the, yeah. I feel like, and I feel like, like the his like script his episode had, is probably an hour and a half. Well, I, not only is it an hour. No, it's an hour. He knew he knew how to write an hour, but it's like everything's rushed. And I would like to, you know, it really feels like once we get to Edith Killer, it's like fucking, you know, almost nothing. It's like just this little thing that kind of happens in of it, it's one of twenty things that happens in the episode. Yeah, and, like and, there's definitely more people in his script, and I and and there's things I really like that they the changes that they made. Like I think paring it down. Like we don't need this guy who basically well that's the thing you know what the script would be it would be along the lines of um of like turnabout intruder or something it would be like 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 where the script is chock full of very interesting things and we all like it we'd all still really like it but it wouldn't be the thing that 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 sort of crushes you and breaks your heart and and that like it is now i think that honestly it's superior and and i understand if he feels like he's been shit on a little bit but like honestly oh it's definitely. a con- it's a controversy in whose mind? Like, nobody gives a shit. I mean, I'm sorry. It's a show <laughs> that came out a long time ago that... That's not true. I give a shit. No, but I, it's an interesting read. No, here's the thing. I'm glad he wrote it because the read was awfully, awfully interesting. But Trek fans aren't sitting around now going, going. hey, let's talk about how, how Harlan... Like, we have enough shit to... Like, you and I have done 150 fucking hours of, of, of Trek off. And only now... <laughs> Have we come around to talking about Harlan Ellison and only because we read a book about it? Like, nobody. Yeah, like, like I didn't know there was this controversy. Like, you and I admittedly. fucking care more than most people, and we have a show. We have. <laughs> we're we trying. We're, we're filling time for people to be entertained. And, and it's just not like Harlan. Man. Here's, he feels wrong, and I get it. And, and here's what really peeves me, too. Like, when I read He's about mad it, at us. Oh, he hates us. He hates Star Trek fans. That's really I mean, clear. He, yeah. He does. He thinks we're all Pollyannic and, and ridiculous, I'm sure. Um, but I mean, That's I'm, not subtextual. That's in the text of the book. He's like, 
I believe. I now I I I don't have the book memorized, but it may or may not. He's not super kind. It may or may not have said "fuck you guys" up your asses. I think I'm not remembering. But you've got to imagine. So, like, you know what our perspective is, right? And admittedly, um, we aren't. We weren't watching the show when it first aired, right? So there's a whole lot of of watching the show, being a fan back then, and doing conventions and stuff that we weren't involved in and he was and you've got to imagine that while you're right now maybe it's not this big controversy that everybody knows about then it probably was and he probably got shit on a lot and a lot by fans probably sticking up for gene roddenberry because let's face it like he's not wrong when he says that we tend to sort of blindly follow that guy he's not like we call him the bird in the sky and all this other stuff and 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 we we the bird of the galaxy, and we lift him up. And he's not wrong, right? So it's kind except, of hard. Except, except like, two things. I, I, I have two things to retort. All right. One, Star Trek came out when the Vietnam War was going on, and American soldiers were put into POW camps. Those soldiers are meeting with the people who tortured them, giving them hugs, and making peace now. All right? This guy wrote a script for a television series that a bunch of people liked and then didn't quite get the credit he was supposed to get for it. And he's still mad. Now, let he me tell did, you. though, right? I don't understand. Like The only like, reason we care about Harlan Ellison is because he keeps fucking bringing it up. Like, <laughs> like, seriously. No, I don't think that's true. I think, like, here's the thing. Sorry. At the end of the day... Who, what does it say at the end of that fucking episode written by Harlan Ellison? And, and here's the thing. Like, he talks about how, I guess, Gene and everybody got all pissy because he, like, accepted a, an award for the show. And it's like, whoa, whoa. Here's the thing. There is no City on the Edge of Forever without Harlan Ellison. No matter what changes they did to it or how they rewrote it, there's no idea without him. Like, it doesn't happen without him. So that's just ridiculous. I like know, but you, but I guess, I guess my point is, and yes, you're right, and I understand that he was wrong. But the book starts off, book starts off at the very beginning, and he says, he says, a lot of you are going to think this is because it's a cash grab, and I'm just looking for an opportunity to make some money, and I think that's cynical, and 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 you can think that if you want, but this is a story that I think enough time has passed, and this is a story that must be told, must it? <laughs> Like, yes, like, like, I I I feel the guy. Like I'm like if you have felt for thirty years, you've held your tongue and let people basically just say whatever the fuck they want about you. And and for me, like I would have trouble letting that go. Like Daryl probably wouldn't. Like Mister A would be fine. He would be like holding on to that anger is only hurting me. Like he's so zen about that shit. But I'm not. Like I, it's hard for me to let go of of shit that people say about me when it's really mean and like uh, I feel like uncalled for or if it's particularly unjust. Like I really have a problem with injustice. And so I, I guess maybe I feel for Harlan. Like I'm more on his side in that case. In feeling like I've been, I have been taking the high road for thirty years. Has fuck he? All you guys. Has he? Like this book was not the first inclination that I had that he was sort of pissed about it. I've always kind of known that he was sort of pissed. I didn't know why. I knew he was, he was I, <laughs> right. You didn't I, I know sort of why. Knew that he was, like, so for all you this, know, he's just some fucking angry dude. Like he has a reason to be pissed. That's what I'm I, saying. Like. For 30 years, you've been painted as this unreasonable piece of shit. Oh, no. And- let me be clear. I, I I read 
he's an unreasonable piece of shit. Like he's he is maybe wronged. All right, he is he he is. Yeah, like, no, I he does have quite an ego on him. Like, because like, sure. you because you know what you do, you know what you do. You go out to the Star Trek fans. You go, hey, Star Trek fans, hey, I so love that you love what we made, and I love that you love the core of what I made, and and it really was a good show out there, and and I'm glad to have been able to be part of this big thing. Um, I do feel like like maybe I've gotten a raw deal and here you go. No, he's like, he's like this show, why would it be utopian? That's stupid. And you Star Trek fans are stupid. Here's Captain's Logs and that stupid insipid blah, blah, blah. You think the writers of Captain's Logs are like, whoa, <laughs> the fuck? We wrote that back in 92. He's writing this. What, this is like five years old, the book that, you, that we get? It's not like brand new, right? It's like 2010. Like, yeah. like. Like, like, like they, so here it is. It's 17 years. Like after they wrote captain's log, I think those guys are like, what the fuck, man? They're like having breakfast. <laughs> yeah. But think, but think about what he's talking about when he talks about how they asked him what happened and they talked to him and then they like wrote something completely. No, that different. wasn't those guys. No, that wasn't those guys. That was someone else. The writers captain's log. They, they have like a page on city in the edge of forever. And then they just move the fuck on. Yeah. Maybe they were a little accurate or a little, not that accurate, but you know what? Hey, like get the, like, really? 17 years later, you're going to go after those guys and after the fans and you're going to go after Roddenberry and you're going to go after, you know, the producers over here and you're you're kind of going to go after and you're going to go after Shatner. And like, I understand. I mean, he's not, I, I, like, it's interesting that, I, it's, that that's how you felt. Like, I didn't feel like he was going after anybody. I felt like he was like, OK, all these people have been talking and it's my turn now. <laughs> like, and I have a book. And I'm not going to be stopped, so I'm just going to tell it like I feel it is. Except, I guess my point is like you Star know? Trek. Star Trek Memories, the book he's re- referring to, came out like in 1996, and and Captain sure. Logs came but out I, like in 1996. Yeah, so, and I don't know so when her like, book came like, out or when the references that she made. But I was I was super disappointed at Joan Collins. I have to say, like um, as a fellow female, as a fellow actress, I was like, listen, I get it. It was some show you did however many years ago but you don't even remember like the core of it no of course not of like, course not. do you know how many epi- how many shows she's done how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours that she's done and not everybody's got our kind of geek minds about everything I like guess. like i guess like, for me that's how it felt like how do you not remember city on the edge of forever woman how can you? I, I know except that, except that she like 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 she did way more dynasty you know what i mean like she she did yeah but that's not that good yeah but that's but that was her thing she wasn't even into the star trek thing and keep in mind she's not even in that episode as much as she should be she probably worked for like three days on it and people keep fucking bringing it up and she's like i don't i don't know they gave me some lines i said i said them pretty well and 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 yeah, I, I guess it was kind of about you know Hitler and there's something about time travel. I, I like 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 she's not she's not an idiot or a bad person. She just like like it. I was t- disappointed. Okay, I'm just saying. I hear what oh, I, I I hear what you're saying. You're let me let me wrong, tell you this. But... Okay, I saw Michael Jordan play basketball one time. Now I'm not a sports fan, but I understood like. I saw Michael oh, Jordan too. fucking play like he's yeah. fucking Michael Jordan. And when he came to the to Washington, D.C. to play, even though he wasn't in his prime anymore, I fucking went to see him because he's fucking Michael Jordan. I yeah. remember that I saw it. I remember where it was. I remember I, I remember uh, how cool it was to see him do it. I, I remember who I was with. I can't tell you the name of the team he was playing or who won the game. Wow. OK. 
because I probably couldn't tell you the name the name of the team that he was playing, but I'd probably be able to tell you who. If I don't won. know if he won. I don't know if he lost. All I know is I saw Michael Jordan. That's what I remember. Now I spent days beforehand excited about it days afterward thinking about it that i saw like he was one of the best that ever lived and i got to like one of the yeah. best sports you know I, I remember all that i can't tell you the outcome of wow. the thing because that wasn't the thing that mattered to me and in her case like if she doesn't care about the star trek part and she doesn't really think in yeah, science fiction yeah it's just a job terms, to her yeah i yeah, guess it's yeah, I, I mean, it's like it should be more than a job because it's it's the sh- sort of shit that's like amazing. How is it w- just your job? Like I realize there are I, I, so for me, right? I'm like I realize there are things that are just your job, but not this. Surely not this woman. <laughs> Surely not yeah. this. I it's mean, too I, much to bake your noodle. It's too hard. I guess, How and I guess, I guess, it? my point is, is is his whole rationale of everybody's been talking. Now it's my turn. It's like. It's, you know, it, I, I just, I get it. I get feeling like, you know what? And I feel like he probably, after having written it and got all of that shit out, can, can like finally let go of it. I don't know. Like, I, I think that that would help me a lot. I think what would help me more is if those bastards apologized to me if I was him. But I think that at least getting my side out there in some form or fashion and feeling like, you know what? I can put that, I can put that chapter of my, my life to bed. Now. Except, except when I'm but, reading it, like it, like, Here's here's what I've gathered. All right. William Shatner was a shithead in the 60s. And by all accounts, he was. He was. So I, it's there, not there like is, that's there, there is no world where he's not a shithead. And, and, and like he's just like like he is he he is the ultimate egomaniac, especially back then. He's yep. just like 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 the and the line counting thing sounds exactly like everything oh, I've yep. ever heard about him. Yep, like that's, I absolutely like, believe it. But it breaks my heart nonetheless, because you know how much I love him. Um, and, and, you know, and, and Gene Roddenberry like was also just like yep. a bastard a lot of the time. And, and despite that, they both had really good things about them, but they, they, they yep. like that, that was the case. Like they were human beings, just like everybody else. They've got yeah. their bad, they've got their good. But like, I'll be honest, the person I feel comes off the worst in the Harlan Ellison book is Harlan, Harlan Ellison because, <laughs> because in all of the other books about Harlan Ellison, they talk about him for like two pages. So this is the most I've ever gotten to see. What is Harlan Ellison really like? He's he's bitter. <laughs> yeah, he is kind of a curmudgeonly angry. bastard, isn't he? <laughs> like, like he I don't says, even think he would debate that. I don't even think he would dis- he would disagree with that. No, he wouldn't want to disagree. He wouldn't want to talk. Like, and why is this guy getting bad mouthed at, at science fiction conventions? Why is he going? He hates everybody there. He hates you. You're a pinhead. <laughs> You're a pinhead. He doesn't hate you all. He, he hates you. Hate all he of hates it. us. Oh, he'd hate us. Oh, he'd hate us one because he also hates the internet. Evidently, like it's he's like he just like sir, sir. <laughs> listen, it's okay. You're gonna be fine. I mean, one you let, let let's be clear, sir. Let's be clear. It was an episode of television. Like if I were to look at the people who write fucking television now. Like your your journeyman your journeyman writers who write on all these shows they write like ninety episodes, right? If I here like I'm gonna do a little search here I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do a little research on you. All right, this is from IMDb.com. I'm gonna look at maybe it's because he like like it never quite came back to him. Maybe it. Well, he never like, got paid correctly, I believe, as well. And yeah, I'm sure there that. Was a, well, but you know what? Here's the thing. He wrote would be for upsetting. St- but like, he wrote for fairly. Star Trek, and guess what? Star Trek was owned by the TV, and you don't just because you wrote a thing doesn't mean you own the right. That's copyright. You don't own the right unless he drew what everything looks like. 
he does not get a cut of the images that were created. Those aren't his creations. That's yeah, I'm not, not sure what he's supposed to get, what he was supposed to get a cut of, or what he was supposed to get paid. But they didn't pay him everything that he was that he was supposed to get paid. That right, seems so, like right, that so, seems clear. He didn't get paid for work he did. Several right, so, of the rewrites that he did, he didn't get paid for. Right, and the, that's the, it's, that's a fair beef. The last, uh, the last TV show that I can see that he wrote was Masters of Science Fiction 2007. And then a lot in the late 90s, 90s, 80s. You know, he wrote I mean, quite he wore a, award-winning stuff on, on Twilight Zone and, and stuff like that, too. Yeah. And even afterward, you know, he wrote he wrote some stuff. He he has written like he wrote quite a lot into into the 80s and 90s. Maybe that's why I noticed that the last thing he really wrote was in 2002. And then a short story that he wrote that got made in 2007. So. So maybe uh, and the last thing he wrote like for a show was uh, Babylon 5 in 1998. Maybe that, that's the thing is maybe now he's got time to be pissed about it because he's nobody wants him to write TV anymore. Like, uh, but but if I were to look, maybe I think I, th- I think honestly, I think he probably got to a point where he got so sick of it, like based on his on what he was saying in the book and the fact I that mean, he's sick of absolutely everything. Um, yeah, he's pretty mad. Um, and I could see being like, I'm, you know what? I'm not going to do this shit anymore. <laughs> I just feel like I'm done. Um, and that's that's fair, in my opinion. Um, I think it's a shame because, I mean, the guy is a brilliant writer. Like, let's I feel like you can't take away from that. I do think that I like a lot of the changes they made. I I am a, I am sad about missing Trooper. But what makes me more upset is somebody does die in that episode senselessly. Well, like when you watch the episode, there's this guy, and he's actually kind of a dick. Like, he makes some some comment about her, you know, if she really wanted to help a guy out. And then he steals McCoy's phaser and kills himself with it. And it's like, to me, watching it, I'm like, listen, I don't even understand why you have this here. Because it it serves no purpose other than your attempt to kind of keep Trooper in there in some in some way. And horribly failing at that. And I and what's interesting is before I watched the episode again, I had forgotten about it. I had forgotten that this guy basically kills himself with the phaser because it doesn't add anything to the story. And it's like a death and it's horrible. And it's like, why would you do that? At least Trooper's death meant something, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I understand that. I guess my point is, is, is so I looked up a comparative. And, and tonally, like there's stuff too, like I just watching the episode, like when they first get there, let's not pretend that, that the version on that episode of the depression, I've seen pictures, that shit looked pretty fucking bad. That's not what we see in the episode. It does yeah. not, like it looks, it looks kind of cute actually. I guess I guess my and point he's is like this, goes to steal clothes and like the music they're playing when he goes to steal the clothes is like kind of like they're up to their old hijinks again. <laughs> so, like, so he's I, committing I, a crime. Like, I know. I'm just so I think what what occurs to me after having read it, having read multiple versions and I think that DC Fontana is the one who actually um, made the the Star Trekky changes and did the rewrites. Um, that, and, and most of them I agree with, and she's really good. Um, I think that something about Star Trek that's true, and it's something that I like about the original series in particular, that you don't necessarily, 
um, is that no matter how bad things get, right, um, there's levity. There's levity throughout in sometimes, but more importantly, there's usually levity right at the end. Sure. Right. Yeah. Like things are really tense. Like I just watched um, the Annihilate episode, mm-hmm. Operation Annihilate, and that's a scary fucking episode. Like, well, sure. Even a mock time is dark the whole time, and then at the end, and it's, then it's light at the yeah, end. Yeah, sure. Um, so that's sort of a thing, and I feel like they Harlan brought them this script, and they all recognized like this is a really interesting story. This is a really interesting idea. And they're like, but it's too dark. It's too dark all over the place. Like, it doesn't fit in our universe, and it's too dark. How can we lighten it up and still keep the core of it? And I, I think guess, that's I guess here's the thing. what I they guess, did. You know, I feel is, like and this there's is my so per- much levity about when they get there. There's levity about what they're, you know, the, the banter between sure. him and Spock. And then, but I think something that's that's critical that I don't, like, I don't think is actually any other episode is this way he loses her, right? And that's the other critical difference I didn't bring up, but I'm going to bring it up now. Um, uh, in Harlan's script, Kirk doesn't s- stop McCoy. Kirk makes the decision to let her die for the good of the timeline. Sure. And, no, I, yeah, and that's and, dark. And I get that that's dark. And and I think there are things to be kept. I guess my whole point is, uh, Alexia, my whole I'm, point. There's a lot of things about it. I'm saying, like, there's it's so interesting. Like, I think it's the first time I've ever read something that was like, this is how it was and this is how it became and, and can, and like, have some serious opinions on that. Like, and it's really interesting because, like, in Harlan's sure. version, too, in when she falls down the stairs, he lets her in Harlan's version. And I feel like that doesn't actually make sense. Like if you're in love with somebody and and something happens so fast like that, your inclination, you're just going to think, you're just going to move. You're not going to think, right? Like you're just going to save their life. Like you're just going to stop them from falling. You would for a stranger even. Yeah. Yeah. I I get, I get that. So I think what's in the episode actually makes more sense. But I, and, and in the, and in his version, the fact that Spock is the one that actually lets her die, that stops Kirk from stopping McCoy or whatever. Like he basically, he's the one that does it. And he, the way he wrote it, and he talked about this, was like it was the first time he ever calls him Jim, when he sort of talks about the the, the gravity of what's taken place and like sorry, and I'm like okay, I get that, um, but I think it's so much more heartbreaking that Kirk does it himself, because you, and and it gives you this moment between Kirk and Spock earlier in the episode when Spock says, when he talks about how he saves her at the stairs, and he's like, if you do as your heart would tell you. Millions will die who wouldn't have died before. And it's so, oh my God, dude. Like, yeah, no, I, I, so, so, okay. So here's, so it's a I, mixed bag. Although, like, although, although I, I, I actually, I will episode. say about, about, about Kirk choosing to do it. I think Kirk choosing to do it or Kirk having it, the, like, like desperately wanting something else and having it torn away from him. I think they're both, I think they're both really interesting. Yeah, they're both interesting, and I don't think one is necessarily better than the other. This is my point here. At the time we wrote the book, the episode was 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 uh, was forty three years old, and I'm going to say this: um, I just looked at everything that he wrote, and he wrote for thirty something years, and he's got a long list of credits, but not like a super long list. So I looked up by comparison the um, television writer uh, Jane Espenson, who um, I know from Buffy. Um, but if you look at what she wrote, she started back in 1994 and she wrote 
and just like across the board monty dinosaurs ds9 nowhere man something so right ellen angel firefly buffy oc gilmore goers true calling jake in progress andy barker inside the batman eureka battlestar galactica dollhouse caprica um game of thrones torchwood husbands what's upon a time in wonderland warehouse 13 spring cleaning once upon a time star wars like 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 she is all she is all over the place she is all over the place. Has she here. ever written a book? Um, she has. I don't know if she's ever written a book. My, but my point is, she's, I'm just, I would be curious because I don't think you're, my, you're comparing my, apples and but oranges. My, but my point is this: he's not a TV writer. He like, is though. He no, he wrote. No, he has an extensive TV writing. Career. I'm not debating that with you. But, yes, but you, he does. You, but you just yes, said he's he not did. a TV writer. He is. But a he writer. is. He's a sci-fi writer. Yes, but here's he the thing. He writes so she, books. He okay. writes novels. He but writes this short time he stories. Didn't. He was asked to write a story with Kirk and Spock. My point is this. She started in 94 and she's still going. That's only 22 years. He did 30 years. 13 more years went back. And he's going back to a script that he wrote in the middle of his career that should have been like two or three months of his time. And if it didn't go well for you, Harlan, I'm sorry that the script that you largely get credit for, like you should have made peace with the fact that some some things didn't go right and some things didn't change because you know what life goes on you've got more work to do it's like you can't rest for 43 years on the on the whole i wrote this script for this one thing once and and he my hasn't other part, though he's written others that's what i'm saying but but like, the, I, I, guess, I guess i guess it's my, a paradigm i, shift. I look I i'm glad he fucking between, wrote the, i'm glad he fucking wrote the book because it was entertaining as shit i'm saying but i he, i'm it. saying he writes all like he's written all sorts of sci-fi stuff like just as harlan ellison and i think that's the key difference that's why i asked you if she's ever written a novel or a book or a short story i know i know because that i she's, think that if you if you are coming into the business and you're and I'm not saying one is more of a writer than the other, I am merely talking about a difference in the way that they view things. Right. If you are a writer who writes books, short stories, your own shit primarily, and you kind of fall into the TV he thing. Did both. So you, I guess that's my point. And is you he do did it both. because it pays you money and it makes sense to do it and you can do it. I get it. But if that's what you've been in, that's very different because you're yeah, not but, but coming from a thing, place but, of this but, is my right, baby. But just, but this is how it up, should right? be. And why are you changing but it? Here's the you're thing, coming I just, from a place of I know the business that I'm in. But that's and I am a tool. But that's stupid because I'll tell you it's, why it's stupid. Because <laughs> why he is, is not, it stupid? I'll tell you why. Because he is not some dude who wrote a bunch of books and also wrote a couple of of scripts and didn't understand like didn't understand he the way has it's written all like award winning books, award winning yeah. short stories. My point is this: look, and even award winning TV. By like, the time by the time I'm he wrote saying. Star by the time he wrote Star Trek, he'd written one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen episodes of television. He'd done it. 14 times through by that point he should kind of know okay when you write for a show the show comes first because they're right. the, sh and the show has kind a show of, i mean that's kind of his beef like it's not again it's not like he doesn't have experience writing for other tv shows right and he's like the way that they painted him as though he wasn't willing to do rewrites as though he wasn't willing to ch make changes and that's patently untrue he's like i do it all the fucking time I guess my point is, is like that that's why my, he was my, so, I guess, like, I guess I, sort I, of my I, point is I would merely submit if, perhaps that's why he's so upset. Oh, yeah, perhaps I understand that's that. why it stuck with it. But the other thing I would say is, is 43 years ago, Harlan, like, like I can tell you, I have, I have a history of that. There is a time in my, in my creative life where I spent a year, a year writing, writing a thing. 
I spent a year working on it, working on it, planning on it. It was something I was going to do. Um, um, eventually it like after all the work, it ended up being something that, that, that didn't go the way I wanted. So their feelings were hurt a little bit. Um, and you know what? By about two weeks later, I was like, oh man, that's too bad. And, and if I heard people saying stuff, I would probably be like, oh man, I want to respond. I want to respond so much, but I wouldn't be like, I want to respond so much. I'm going to wait till 13 years after, after everyone's done saying anything and 20 years, 22 years after well, the person who was the meanest has died. And now I'm going to write a book because I don't have much else going on. Like it's like, like really <laughs> like nobody's talking about you anymore, Harlan. Nobody. It's just not even true. Like that's who, not even a true who's saying thing. shit about him. No, I mean, in respect to the episode, that may be true. I don't know. But, like, it's not as though Harlan Ellison is, is some washed-up husband that nobody knows who he is. Like, no, that's no, what no, you're no, saying, no, and that's no, not No, that's not, that's not what not I'm true. saying. What I'm saying, is that, what I'm saying is that the thing he's known best for now is the controversy around, like, sitting on the edge of forever. That's and, not, though, because that's not what I knew him about before I read this book. Oh, see, that's all I really knew him about by my entire maybe it's because i've read so many of the star trek um yeah books. and i think that's what i'm saying like you're coming from a different perspective like, i wish his i wish I, his book my, would have my given perspective me... on harlan ellison prior to this i didn't know and i knew that he i i know that he's um uh, a lauded sci-fi writer and i've read some of his stuff and it's really fucking good yeah no i have to do he's incredibly so, like, that talented was my and position, his script and i was like and... i had no idea all of this stuff had happened and so, in an alternate Star Trek script, like in, in the sort of way that, and I hear they're maybe making a comic book about it, um, uh, um, which would be really interesting, a comic book of that script, the same way they made a comic of George, George Lucas's original script for Star Wars. Um, um, like the script is good. He's enormously talented. I think the problem is, is that like the shit that people have said about him is that he's, you know, he's a fucking ne'er-do-well is mostly what everyone else is saying. A very talented fucking ne'er-do-well. And I listened to his book and I was like, I was like, Harlan, you are clearly very, very talented and you've, you've explained to me ad nauseum how incredibly <laughs> talented you are and, and how many people have said how great you are. I get that you're talented, but, but if you're defending yourself against being a fucking ne'er-do-well, I'm sorry. You're coming off as a fucking ne'er-do-well. <laughs> like, 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 like I like like honestly, you you need to be you need to be able to say, look, this this really sucked. Now look again, he's a writer. It's not like he's an idiot who's like, I'm writing this journal that nobody will ever read. Like he is he is no, writing. No, and he's to, but he's, he's writing he's a book. Really good with his words. I mean, he yeah, really, no, the no. guy knows how to fucking turn a phrase. No, the book was like I'm saying, it was a good book in which he cast himself sort of as the the semi villain. Um, I mean, um, I don't, I guess to me, it didn't feel that way. I felt like everybody, everybody kind of was the bad guy. Yeah. Like, here's he's the, just uh, a I guy. Agree. Like I didn't, I, I agree guess... that I agree that everybody is the bad guy, except the writer of the book, the, the voice of the book doesn't seem to understand that the voice of the book is also a bad guy. Oh, I like, think he does. I disagree with you. I think he absolutely knows that he's a curmudgeonly, you know, angry kind of maybe. guy. Like, I, I don't think... I, I think at no point does he paint himself as Pollyannic, utopian, or nice. No. Yeah. Like, he really doesn't. Like, he, he doesn't make any bones about it. Like, he occurs to me, like, he's probably an older gentleman at this point, and he just sort yes. of occurs to me as that angry old guy. 
um, that knows he's the angry old guy and doesn't give a shit. Um, and and he's a fucking genius. He's a, he I mean, is. He's no, a no, literary I genius. He I will has not right. take that away from him. I will not he take sort that of has right to feel like I am right and you're wrong when it comes to certain things. And it's why it's like when I when I I tried to take a step back and like look at the script um, objectively as objectively as I could. And that's why I was glad I hadn't actually seen the episode in a while. Like, obviously, I'd seen it a lot. Like, I was really familiar with it. But like I told you, I had blocked this this part where this guy kills himself. Um, so it was very interesting uh, to be able to read the the script as it started, see where it went, and then see the changes in the episode and have, have feelings on that. And Mr. A did, too. And he actually came from a very different place than me because, unlike me, he hadn't seen that episode a lot. Right. So he didn't even have the memory of having seen this episode a bunch. I think he'd seen it like once, maybe twice. Right. In our watch throughs of the original series over the years. So he vaguely knew the episode. Right. Whereas I knew it pretty well when I'm reading it. And he didn't. And he was like, Harlan's is so much better. Like, it was interesting because I actually watched after he had um, basically consumed the novel and the script. I was with him when he watched um, the episode after having done that. And it was really interesting to hear his thoughts on like, oh, wow, like what he wrote for her to say was so much more eloquent. This is really stupid. Why would she say this? Like, no, no, like, I, I I agree with you that it was dumbed down a little bit. But again, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's interesting. So the, the it was like I said, I think you're right. He had a lot that he was that he was trying to tell in this one story. And I think as a result, you wind up with a mixed bag of a lot of different things. And I think that it solidified it down to what mattered like i like for instance i personally didn't like the guardians in in the original script i felt like they they're they were the guardians are kind of my least favorite part of both the original script and the actual episode i mean in the episode at least though for me i liked the idea that now instead of it being this being it's like part machine part organism and so I really like the I really like the idea that if you go back in time and you cha- through a portal and you change a fucking thing, it totally alters and destroys the timeline you are in. And it's really important for you to go fix that thing so that your timeline can continue to exist. I, I love that. That's <laughs> that's a really it? important Would point. You stop. <laughs> it's unique in this instance because they are at the point of where it starts and they talk about the ripples of time. You're such a jackass. I know. Um, but honestly, <laughs> getting back to the fucking story at hand, um, the Guardians, for me, and Mr. A actually really liked the fact that they kind of gave him this cryptic um, gold it will be or wearing blue and all this other shit. And I was like, listen, that bugs me. This idea, like they're, they're beings that created this thing, right? And they understand the flow of time and they're going to send them back and all this thing. But the best they can come up with as to what... Uh, is is going to draw their attention what the focal point will be. His shirt will kind of look like this. That's that's it. His shirt yeah, will, it was his shirt will kind of I look like, like this. I th- and even when I read it uh, the first time, it felt like purposefully yeah. cryptic. And like, yeah. why would they be cryptic like this? Whereas in the in the episode, because it's both an organism and a machine, if you will, it's like the the time it talks in um, riddle, if you will. First of all, Spock makes fun of it for it. Second of all, it's like for your limited understanding. And I wonder if it was kind of a jab at Harlan. Mr. A brought this up and I was like, that's an interesting idea. Because DC knew them both. Sure. 
and knew them both to be flawed creatures, right? Like knew them both as men, not as, you know, gods that others might lift them up to. Sure. And she was like, this fucking guy, you know? <laughs> like, so she writes this little thing and it's funny and it's an inside joke for her. <laughs> And it's kind of a little poke at, at Harlan. And he probably was like, DC, you bitch. Um, yeah. So I think that's really an interesting idea. But I think it makes more sense to me. I like the idea that the reason that they aren't sure about what time they're going to get there and how much time they'll have before he gets there is because they're guesstimating. They are guesstimating. These people, these flawed you know, human slash Vulcan, right? They don't understand how things work and they can only estimate. And this machine is like, this is just how the shit goes. Like, I can't help you. Sorry. Like, I feel like that makes more sense to me anyway. Like, no, I, I like I that better. That. I hear that. Anyway. I don't like long, you know, fucking, I, I, I don't feel the need for those extra human beings in the, in the shot, I guess. Um, so. But and- it's, I highly recommend it if you haven't read the episode, um, as it was before, I, it's, it's worth the read. Harlan's book is worth the read, I think. It's interesting. Anyway, um, uh, that's it for Trek Off. Guys, uh, <laughs> uh, I hope that you're having just the greatest uh, holiday season. We're going to keep trying to uh, to pump the show Through out. Through the uh, holiday season, yes. Yeah, yeah. Like we're, we're, we really don't want to be missing a couple weeks at a time. We've been good about doing it just about uh, every seven days. We're going to try and do that for the next little while. Um uh, I can't wait. I'm sure that you guys can't wait to hear our Rogue One review, which you know we're going to try and do night of. I assume. Um, uh, when is that coming out for my uh, birthday? Uh, that comes out on on December 16th uh, th- or Thursday, December 15th. Um, so uh, so uh, that's all coming. It's going to be huge. Um, so stay it's tuned. Be huge. But for now, my name is Justin. <laughs> Trek off. Trek off. Yay! Hey, you know what makes us different than all those other podcasts you listen to? We have a movie. There's a movie of this podcast on Amazon Prime right now. Just go right now on Amazon Prime and go look. Check it out. Just search for it. There you go. There it is. Trek off. One word. Just search for Trek off on Amazon Prime or Amazon Instant Video if you want to rent it. If you don't have Amazon Prime as a subscription or if you want to buy the DVD, it's there on Amazon. But seriously, this podcast, you got all the way to the end. Now go watch us and give us reviews and tell the world, man, a podcast got me made into a movie, man. How cool is that? Go look it up and share it. Love you guys.